Welcome back to the Oklahoma Drill. Uh, Ryan and Alex here today with Nathan uh, doing uh, another in our OU season preview series. Um, Alex, you've got our itinerary, so uh, go ahead and just get us started. Where, where, okay. where are we going first? So I've been looking forward to this pod. Um, it's unfortunate that it took us so long to get to it because I've been out of town and we've all just been busy, but um, we finally get to talk about the defense and like when we talked about the offense, it was very, yeah, we're probably going to be really good, you know, just across the board. <laughs> and it was just, we got to gloat about the talent and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's a little different when you talk about the defense for obvious reasons. <laughs> We've been extremely horrible on that side of the ball. Um, but, you know, just kind of, you know, to start us out, let's let's go back in time a little bit. Um, and we'll talk about last year's defense. And I want to talk about some of the players on that defense and what they are currently doing. Right. So I think anybody that watched last year's team would say, wow, that team sucked or that defense sucked. Mm -hmm. And there can't have been any really good players on that defense because look at what they did. You know, like it was just. Get, you know, getting embarrassed by pretty mediocre offenses regularly, you would think, oh, there's there was no good players on that defense. Um, and that kind of followed through in terms of the NFL draft because there were no defensive players drafted, and that there was a lot made out of that. Like it was an incredibly successful offensive draft, um, but there were no defensive guys drafted. But over the past couple weeks, it's kind of you know been, there's been some buzz surrounding Curtis Bolton and Imani Bledsoe um, specifically. And those are two guys that are that were undrafted free agents and have seemingly come into their team, Bolton with the Packers and Bledsoe with the Titans, and really surprised, you know, in terms of what they were able to do. Like Curtis Bolton right now, like there is a guy hurt, like he's the – a starting linebacker for the Packers. Amani Bledsoe is getting first team reps. Like they might see him as like a rotation player um, this season, right in their rookie season. Like they both look like guys that might be in the rotation in their rookie year. And I mean, to me, that just kind of tells me like, you know, last pod, we, we had a nice segment to kind of shit on Mike Stoops and I don't necessarily want to just, continue to do that but um it <laughs> do, do we have thoughts on what this could possibly mean in terms of maybe what we're looking forward to this year with the change in like culture and the change of coach um as in regards to what the talent that we might already have on the roster is yeah well to me the interesting thing about this is that <laughs> it every time in the past like three years, uh, Lincoln, or I guess Bob, um, has said, uh, you know, oh, we just got to get the guys. You know, it's about getting getting the guys who can. Because they can play at the NFL level. And. Yeah, so to me, that's the thing is, it's like, oh, OK, no, we had guys. Um, so the problem was something else, and I think we can all infer as to what maybe the problem was. Yeah, yeah. To me, I mean, to me, it's just an indictment of 
of the coaching staff that was there, of the culture that was there, of the players not playing up to their talent levels, whatever you want to say. I mean, so often it was said, well, they just need to get better players. Well, I mean, I, I think if, objectively just looking at the talent that they had in, in a vacuum, a single player at a time, you could you could see all the a lot of the tools were there. They just didn't play together as a group, and they didn't seem to know what they were doing, and they were out of place, and they didn't play together as a team, and they didn't play hard and X Y Z. You keep going down the list. There's a lot of other stuff, but whenever they're in a environment that they're you know um, potentially coached well and put into positions to succeed, as we're seeing with these two guys, who by no means are you know first round pick caliber guys, but they're guys that can be, you know, journeymen or even decent role players at the next level. I mean, you, you should be able to put to cobble together a decent defense out of those types of guys at the college level, because most teams don't even have those, don't even have those level of guys. And they're still being able to, a lot of teams are still able to put together more proficient defenses than what OU has been able to do the last several years. So to, it's just to me an indictment of um, the development and the uh, the staff's ability to create a conducive environment for these guys to succeed at the at the college level uh, the last few years, and I think that's why it's such a breath of fresh air to have somebody just another voice in the room that can maybe harness um, the the current level of talent, which. I don't want to say is, you know, it's not, it's not Alabama, it's not Clemson, but it's still something, it's still a level that should be able to put together a decent uh, defense in the next couple of years and hopefully better than decent um, yeah. and move forward with that. Yeah. So I want to, I want to run down a list of guys that are currently in the NFL. Um, not all of them are like, you know, big time contributors, but they're at least on rosters. And some of these guys are actually big time contributors in the NFL. Um, all of these guys, you know, we're not going to talk about Gerald McCoy. He was here under Brent Venables. These are all Mike Stoops era guys. Um, so obviously we talked about Curtis Bolton, Imani Bledsoe, Jordan Evans, I know has started games for the Cincinnati Bengals. Stephen Parker's on the Rams roster. Oboe's on the Rams roster. Um, Devontae Bond, is he still with the Buccaneers? Uh, I believe so, yes. Okay. Aaron Colvin's a really high-paid corner in the in the NFL. Uh, Tony Jefferson is a big-time safety in the NFL. Stacey McGee's still hanging on to a roster. Jordan Phillips on a roster. Charles Tapper and then Ahmad Thomas on a roster as a linebacker. So that is, you know, even more kind of telling like the guy was a safety at OU and, you know, honestly, like in the big 12, if you've got a guy who can play linebacker in the NFL, there's no way in hell that guy should be playing safety in the big 12. Like that dude should have been playing linebacker probably his entire career. Um, But we just kind of misused the talent. And like, that is obviously not, you know, an Alabama list of players, you know, like obviously Alabama has got a much more impressive list, but that's not a bad list of guys. You know, there are double digit guys in the NFL right now that play defense at the university of Oklahoma and are, you know, they're making a career for themselves. And like at times, some of these guys, like thinking about Jordan Evans, there are times when that guy just looked plain bad on the football field as a senior. Remember 2016 Texas tech. Like, yeah, that guy 
looked like he didn't want to be on the football field. He was one of the worst players on the field that night, and he's a starter in the NFL. Curtis Bolton at times, like he made some plays, but overall I would call what Curtis Bolton did last year is pretty mediocre. Like he might have been our best player, but like it was not an overly impressive thing to watch. And Amani Bledsoe, I don't think I ever saw him do anything impressive. Like it was just he bad passes down. He batted passes down. He but blocked. Like he a, had he that, blocked a field goal. Yeah, he had a he had a sack in the <laughs> yeah, Big Twelve it's Championship a big goal. game. Yeah, but like that guy never did a thing really. Like mm. honestly, and yeah, he was. I mean, the pass rush last year was terrible. It was yeah, abysmal. Right. This right. dude is getting first team NFL reps. Yeah, yeah. No, it's. It just, well, it's just—it's hard to pass rush when you're catching blocks all the time. Yeah, yeah, right. right. Well, and like Grinch has even kind of made some comments about that, you know, talking, you know, kind of—I would call them kind of backhanded things at the previous regime, you know, talking about how, you know, it's a lot better to play like we're playing than just throwing your body into an offensive lineman for four quarters. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. that's that's tough, man. Um, but so I, I want to get into. You know, there's been some talk and like we've talked about it a lot. The mentality needs to change defensively. That is an obvious thing. Anybody that looks at what's happened can see that that's the case. But I want to say that I don't place the mentality as that much higher of a priority than I do the scheme. Um, We just ran down a huge list of players and pretty much all of them were misused and they were kind of miscast. I would say like a guy like Oboe and maybe Devonte Bond, they were used pretty effectively, but like Amani Bledsoe was not put in a position to be successful. He was having to catch blocks. I think back to 2014 because that defensive line should have been killing everybody. Mm-hmm. And they were just, there were times where we were horrible that year. We had Jordan Phillips in the middle with Charles Tapper and Gino Grissom around him. And we were asking those elite athletes to catch blocks instead of right. just getting in the backfield and destroying people. Like right. that That's is legit. Three guys right in the there. NFL right now. Yeah, that Still, is legit. Five years talent. later. Yeah, right. three guys yeah. in the NFL plus Eric Stryker, who like obviously is not going to have an NFL career, but like right. in as a college pass rusher. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and Oba was a backup for that team. Like there was right. depth. Like that was a well, defensive line that should have done things. And Obo we were no one took Obo seriously until he's a, like a redshirt junior. But no, yeah, that's yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm with you. Alex did. He was he was early on the Obo train. I, I loved Obo. I was a huge Obo fan coming out of high school. He I always he had the great. talent. It's just, he just he didn't seem to like I don't know. He was kind of some off off field stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. But yeah. I mean, and today we're going to be talking about the defensive line. And I think that overall, the I mean, the thing that we're probably going to say about every guy is that now that they're in a position to where they don't have to just catch blocks and they can go, you know, get in, try and get into the backfield. I think we're going to see some breakout seasons from a lot of these guys because I wouldn't say any of these guys are built to be two gap players, you know, not to mention, I I think in general, like the two gap system, it might be like, I, I don't really know what a successful two gap looks like in terms of, you know, outside of having just five stars everywhere on say, your defense. Like, 
Yeah, Georgia is a successful two-gap, but that's because their entire front seven is like high four and five stars. Exactly, and it's like guys that are going to be first round or first, you know, first or second round NFL draft picks. You know, like those guys are elite, elite, elite players. Georgia had less sacks than OU last year, but it didn't matter because they were so elite at everything. It didn't matter. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Well, it's like if you want your big D linemen to be like these space eaters, like they have to command the attention of the offensive line. Like you need Mm. to have uh, your nose tackle needs to demand a double. Team, you can play two gap. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like, you also have to have like ridiculous linebackers too. Like, it doesn't right. stop That's the other at thing. the front. Like, because why are they? They're catching blocks to help the linebackers yeah. out, and you have sure, to have the right. linebackers that are able to take advantage of that. And we really haven't had guys that are good at taking blocks or guys taking advantage of that behind them. So, right, yeah. I think all of that the, in itself has led to just hor- horrendous defense. Like, who's the last like consistently good linebacker that OU's had? I mean, Jordan Heaven, Jordan Evans had some flashes. Dom Alexander. It's it's got to be. I mean, and it's, it's Corey it's, Nelson this is not, in 2013. Yeah, Nelson. and that was half a season because he got hurt. Yeah, like he was right. having an incredible season before right. that, and he was probably going to wind up being like an All American type. Think about but, what. Yeah, but think about what that says. That is. Six years ago. I mean, right. Right. Six years ago. Yeah. Well, and like before that, it's not like there were guys, you know, like Mm -hmm. we were watching Tom Wart in 2012. That guy was awful. Uh, Travis Lewis is probably the last one before that. And even him as a senior where he was kind of average as a senior, you know, so he broke his foot or whatever. Right. Yeah. So it's been a long time since we've had a truly great linebacker to mean that. Making first plays. thing great, Curtis Lofton is the last great right. linebacker that we've right. had. And that was 2007. Yeah, so yeah, it's been a oh, while. God. Yeah, I'm getting I'm getting a little sad now. But I <laughs> I mean, the point of all this is like I think that there's an argument road. to be made that like you know we've had players that could have been really really good college guys that we just were asking to do the wrong thing and they were just not in positions to be successful. Mm-hmm. And I think that this year I'm kind of growing in optimism in terms of what I think that this defense can be um, because I don't know. I see Curtis Bolton, the money Bledsoe and all these guys in the NFL doing stuff. And I'm like, shit, man, Mike Stoops was just that bad. Like it was really just that. And now that we, he's right. gone, we're going to turn it around pretty quickly. So um, and when I say turn it around, I'm not expecting, you know, top 25 S and P plus, you know, I think top 50 is completely reasonable this year, um, which I know at times I've thought, well, I think top 70 is probably a good goal, but I'm going to go, I'm going to raise it up top 50, maybe even top 40 is where I'm thinking Jesus, at this point. Yeah. If we're I, top um, 40, yeah. <laughs> yeah. there will be mass um, rejoicing. Yeah, right. there will. Like, Absolutely. It's, it's, it's funny because I both think that that's like incredibly, incredibly uh, optimistic. And like at the same time, not unreasonable at all. Because I'd like if this offense was, if this defense was like 50th in S&P Plus, 
I would still argue that that is probably playing below their talent, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's hit, at this point, the talent has to match up to the, you know, they have right. to become familiar with the system and all that stuff. And mm. so, I mean, th- I think this time next year, top 50 is completely within goal. Top 40 is probably, you know, something to aim for. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I'm aboard the top 50 bandwagon this year, but I'm, I wouldn't be opposed to it, obviously. Yeah. Well, um, I and I just, whenever we talk about this, like the thing I always try to stress and keep in mind is that like these defensive coordinator hires, like changing out defensive coordinator, specifically defensive coordinator more often than um, other coaching positions um, is not an immediate turnaround thing. Right. I mean, even Brent Venables at Clemson, it took him a year or two to get them, you know, right. elevated whenever he first showed up there. there I remember, spe- you know, specifically um, whenever he showed up at Clemson, they were a little concerned because OU fans had talked about, you know, there, there's always these open passes over the middle and all that stuff. And that was kind of popping up at Clemson. And then, you know, three years later, <laughs> they start rolling out elite yeah. defenses and yeah. all is well. So, right. And, yeah, I and really, I don't know when I say that, like top like that being said, like, I still don't think top 50 is like pie in the sky thinking no. um, really just in terms of like, wow, Mike Stoops did a bad job. Like, yeah, just. <laughs> yeah, I is... could have never imagined how bad of a job he would have done whenever he had showed back up just because of how amazing he was the first go around. It's just it's almost completely two completely different coaches it's it's hard to reconcile one being the other right and it's just so that and that's my thing is that like you know you talk about like having to adjust to scheme but like when the scheme you're leaving behind is garbage right when you the scheme you're leaving behind has like basically everybody playing out of position or playing in a way that is counterintuitive to their strengths Mm -hmm. then like even a poorly executed well, because the other aspect is that that was a bad scheme, poorly executed. Like, if we move to a good scheme, poorly executed, you'll see improvement. I think just by manner of playing extremely hard, right? that's going to eliminate a lot of uh, the problem. I mean, it's not going to eliminate the problem, but it, a lot of those, uh, I mean, hustle can solve, you know, yeah, can 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 cure a lot of woes, basically. Well, um, go ahead. So, what I keep thinking about is because you know effort has been brought up over and over again about something that previous teams were not good at, right? They and you saw it on yeah. the field. Like there was there were times when it's like they just aren't trying. And I I understand when people talk about well that is kind of shitty, like. You're in you're a college football player, you know, effort should be like an obvious thing. But then I have to think about why was the effort not good? Right. right. And, you know, you can talk about well morale was low. Morale was low, that you know, the coach was a dick, blah, blah, blah. I think more than anything, I don't think they believe that what they would even if they tried as hard as they could, I don't think they believe that it would work. Yeah. Right. I well, think and, that I mean, is the main like yeah. you think about times in my life that I've when I don't try at something, it's because it's like, 
I don't want to try and fail because mm-hmm. it sucks right. well, that I, much more right. when it happens, right? Yeah. I mean, there's like, a very direct parallel in all of our lives <laughs> to that situation. Yeah, right. for uh, sure. Right. <laughs> so, um, um, no, they, absolutely. Ahead, it's, um, I mean, and of course you don't think it's going to work because, you know, your boss go- goes on TV every week and says that he doesn't think it's going to work either. Um, right. And that, in fact, your job is impossible. Um, yeah. And then he turns around and yells it, yells his head off at you for, you know, yeah, I mean, twice yeah. a day for, you know, five months. I, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I can, I, I just, I, I'm able to empathize with the, you know, the onset of apathy and, you know, the malaise and people not hustling and stuff like that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, or at least I can, understand why it's happening if they don't believe in their leadership and they think what they're doing is stupid because yeah. i've seen it so <laughs> I mean, I, i've done it i've absolutely <laughs> yeah. done it multiple times like right. I've, so, I, all the time yeah it's a really so, easy thing to do yeah it's kind of an almost a natural reaction especially for college kids so <laughs> right. right exactly um i i think just because they have leadership that I think they believe in now, at least at this, you know, because it, there's, you can't poke holes in the defensive coordinator that hasn't ever coached a game yet, right? So this is as good as it's ever going to get. So there's no second. There's if anyone's questioning right now, then you know what? What are they even doing there? So right. at this point, you know, you you would expect to see kind of an, some extra juice and hustle and all that stuff just off the top um, with this new staff. And then hopefully it'll continue and will grow and will be kind of an organic sort of thing where it just becomes their identity and it's self-contained and it's not always from the top. That's the kids placing themselves um, at at an eventual point, because eventually you want it to not be, we're hoping for top 40. It's top 40 is a disaster. Like the offense, the offense was a top 40, Team offense this year, it would be considered a disaster, right? Right. So, right. You want it to be that way on both sides of the ball, like it is at Clemson and Alabama and these other schools that you're competing uh, against. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So, let's move into let's move into some players because you know, um, I know we're we're pretty excited about, or at least I I'm reasonably excited about some of these guys you know there are some guys that i will probably voice a little bit of i don't know if it's like concern as much it is it's like just in my head when i was coming up with yeah i'm skeptical and like when i'm making depth charts six months ago like i didn't even think about some of these guys so it's (laughs) it's a little bit um i don't know it's just gonna yeah, it's an adjustment for me to have to kind of, you know, see these things that I just wasn't expecting. Um, but the guy I want to start with, I want to start with Neville Gallimore. Right. Um, he is, in order for this defense to be top 50, like we're talking about, Neville Gallimore is going to have to be the kind of guy that is wreaking havoc and maybe, mm-hmm. you know, forcing double teams more than he isn't, right? Like, he's mm-hmm. going to have to be a guy that basically lives up to his physical potential because i mean you know we've seen it in at times and calvin thibodeau's talked about it it's like 
this dude has that Gerald McCoy, Tommy Harris type physical ability. We just haven't seen it. And either do what? I said he's just not consistent. Yeah. Either it's because he's just not a, as good a football, which he isn't as good a football player as those guys. But, right. but it's either yeah. it's either the mental side or the fact that what he's been asked to do just has not been uh, something that plays to his strengths. So right. um, I think that well, second part, it, oh, go ahead, yeah, Ryan. I was going to say, well, because, you know, you see when you, when you talk about seeing flashes from Neville Gallimore, what we mean is like, you know, the past couple of years, you know, maybe once or twice a game, Neville Gallimore happens to a play and like yeah. it just ends immediately like that, you know, so it's like, OK, he can do that. Why? Mm-hmm. Why isn't he presently doing that? Yeah, um, I mean, I think that second part you said, Alex, is a good point of not being and it kind of harkens back to what we were just saying and not being in a good position to succeed. I mean, I remember last year he was lining up, you know, off tackle at times. I mean, what? Why are we lining up a six-two defensive t- three hundred at the time, three hundred twenty-pound defensive tackle? You know, that far out. It's just like, what are we doing? I think with this scheme, with it supposedly, and none of us actually know because we haven't seen it. But the rumor is, and what we has been reported is that you know. And what they did at Washington State is they want this defensive line to get upfield. There's a lot of movement going on. There's, you know, they're getting after the quarterback block and all that stuff. And I think that's more Gallimore's game than uh, being the plug and that, like the Casey Hampton that just sits down and occupies t- a guard in the center every play. I think his game is a little bit more quickness. It's a little bit more getting after the quarterback. So, but I think it's from an interior perspective, um, or excuse me, from an interior position. He's not, you know, he's not a defensive end. He's a defensive tackle. So you would hope that he would be able to persistently uh, get upfield in the interior of the play because nothing screws up um, an offense more than interior pressure. So, like you said, if they're going to have the level of success that they could potentially have and make the huge jump that we're talking about, he has to be that guy because – while there's decent depth behind him, there are, I'm not sure that, at least in the, you know, at the nose position, that there's somebody with his ability to make plays, um, right, on a consistent basis. Well, and I think the importance of interior pressure is kind of, it kind of is, it's a higher priority in the Big Twelve mm-hmm. because so many of the teams they get the ball out so quickly yeah. that it's tough it. for a rush in to really have a major, major play to play impact because they're, they're so far away from the quarterback, right? They yeah. start way outside there. So a guy like yeah. Oboe, it's going to be tough for him to have, you know, every play effectiveness. Neville Gallimore is a guy that every play he's out there, he can have an impact, you know, through the middle with his pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And also, you know, if we're talking about against the run, it's hard to avoid a guy that's in the middle of the defense. It's pretty easy to just run the opposite side from a dominant defensive end. So, like, yeah, this you could say that this defense is it's going to kind of go as Neville Gallimore goes. I feel like Like, Mm -hmm. if he has a big season, I expect the defense to have a pretty solid year. Um, So, all right, let's move on from Neville. Let's go to the guy that I'm, you know probably the second most excited for to see, and that's going to be Ronnie Perkins. 
Um, I'm excited to see him in his sophomore year. You know, a lot of times guys make big jumps from their freshman to sophomore seasons. And I am really excited about his position change as well, because I feel like he played most of last season out of position, kind of out of necessity. It was, we didn't really have anybody else to do it. So he kind of had to play that like Jack linebacker position. And I just felt like that was a pretty awful yeah, place for him weird. specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, but like he just had to do it. So I'm excited to see him a little further inside and like, cause you're, you're just talking about athleticism at that position. He's like an average athlete for a Jack linebacker, you know, for mm-hmm. all the things he's going to have to do, you know, like he's not overly athletic for it, but as a guy playing closer to the ball, that's he's got some legitimate athleticism that can be taken advantage of at that position. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what he can do with his new spot. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think if you're going to take a guess at who might be OU sack leader this year, I think he's a decent uh, selection. Um, it's kind of interesting because he's going to be playing that kind of five uh, position um the big defensive end if you want to call it harry um and i'm not really sure how grinch will want to it seems like what they're targeting are more like six five kind of long guys and he doesn't quite fit that but i think you know he's pretty technically advanced and all that sort of stuff um i think he's going to make it work anyway and like he made some pretty good plays last year, and I think, like you said, it'll be a pretty natural transition for him to go from a fairly consistent role player last year and um, so quasi starter at that Jack spot. I think they actually considered him a starter, but he wasn't on the field all the time. But to being on the field every down this year, so and on the and with his actual hand in the dirt, so. I'm looking forward to seeing what he's going to do. I think that position could actually be kind of sneaky deep, uh, that defensive end spot. And I think we might talk about some of the other guys here in a few minutes, but um, it'll be interesting to see kind of how they use him. If they spin him inside at all on pass rushing downs, Uh, just, just kind of what that looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's pretty exciting. Like that guy, I mean, pretty much since the day he stepped on campus, he's just is he's just a different level from a lot of the players we've recruited at those positions. Mm-hmm. Um, and just in terms of like you just look at the guy and you're like, oh yeah, that's that's a high level recruit right there. Like that's mm-hmm. a guy that was a high four star Army All American. Like he he has a lot of ability and um, and now that he's actually playing in his you know in his position in the one gap scheme because he's another guy. Asking Ronnie Perkins to two gap is stupid. It just wouldn't work. Like he would not be very good at it. So um, it's exciting to see what he might be able to do. Kind of, you know, really being able to get after it. Um, All right. So let's talk about a couple guys that I'm not over the moon about. um, (laughs) That I think these, this is, we're basically running through what we think the starting defensive line is going to be. And so let's go over to that kind of like three technique defensive tackle position that's going to be playing alongside Neville inside. And I guess to start the season, Dylan Famatau is going to be, I probably said that horribly wrong, but Famatau, um, Famatau, is that right? 
according yeah, to the he, Sooner Sports bio. Okay, so he is allegedly going to be starting at that tackle position. He's a guy that's trimmed down and lost some weight um, to kind of hopefully, you know, similarly to Neville, hopefully he can get up the field a little easier and make more plays. I am, I've never been high on Dylan Famatau. I've seen some times where he was in great position to make a play and then just didn't have the athleticism to finish it. And I'm worried about him in this defense specifically because I just don't know if it suits him. Like he's one of those guys that I guess he, I, he might be more made to be a two gap type player. Um, at least at his, you know, previous size, maybe now that he's lost some weight, he's better and just quicker, but I'm just pretty skeptical in his ability to be able to make plays yeah. um, from that defensive line position. And maybe we don't have a guy at that spot that can, but yeah. I just – I don't know about Dylan Fomitau. Yeah, I, I kind of I, – yeah, I basically agree with you. Um, I kind of think he's a placeholder until either Kenneth Mann gets back or Laurent Stokes takes the spot. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure that if he starts the year, he finishes as the starter. Um, I mean, to me, honestly, just the only thing that's redeeming about him on the field so far is his hair. I mean, I can't think of a – can you think of a single time he's made a play? Like, and he's no. played a pretty good amount. Like, I can't I think can't, of, yeah. No. So, I mean, he's on the field. For as much as he's on the field, I can't think of a single time. I also can't even think of him tackling somebody. I'm sure he has. No. But – like that's, I just think he's a pretty. If he's in on the play, he's just basically assisting on the tackle, jumping on the pile. You know, he's yeah. he's not the guy making the play. So maybe this. He's, I mean, he, apparently he's dropped, you know, twenty pounds or so, and he's really taking it seriously into senior year and all that stuff. That's great. I hope he does well because I mean, for it's a cliche, but they always talk about you know for your teams to do really well, you, your seniors need to step up. So I, I mean, I hope he does well, but I don't buy it i i think it's more likely that man comes back once he's healthy or stokes takes the spot because i think they're pretty high on stokes um, right coming out of juco yeah so it's just you know i think it's one of those deals it's like the options we don't have anybody else that has any experience at that spot mm-hmm. so it's kind of like he's probably gonna get that starting nod kind of by default at the beginning of the season and we'll see, like you said, where it goes. And like, I think that also Kenneth Mann being out for a couple weeks is probably, I think he, that's probably his position when he gets back. Um, yeah. but we'll have it's to the wait one that makes see. the most sense. So. Right. Uh, and like, lastly, let's go to that, that kind of rush defensive end position. Um, and another one I'm just kind of shocked by, uh, <laughs> John Michael Terry might be our starter at this position. And I have literally until the last like week or so, I had kind of just gotten him out of my mind. I just was like, this guy's yeah. going to transfer. I haven't even thought of him as like a, you know, player on the team for a while. You know, he was kind <laughs> of in that Troy James, Zach McKinney, you know, kind of in that mold for me, like, these guys are irrelevant. Yeah. Like it just, you know, he's waiting he's to get those... out of the program. Yeah. Yeah. He, it's weird, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, a what a path. What a path. 
he uh, so when he showed up, he was outside, and they put him inside, and then he wasn't good enough. Because so, remember, if you remember, uh, it was between him and Kenneth Murray two years ago for that middle spot, right. and then Terry kind of screwed up his foot, and so Kenneth Murray kind of just Kenneth yeah Kenneth Murray just kind of got the spot by default. And then you just never heard from John Michael Terry anymore. And they moved him back outside last year and didn't do anything outside of, you know, some cleanup snaps and special teams. But, I mean, Ruffin had a little video on Center Sports this this week, and he was talking about, you know, John Michael's looking really good. And there's some, you know, reports out there that I don't, you never know how much to actually put stock in uh, that saying that, but they're saying that he's doing really well. And I think he had like, there's rumors that he had an interception in the most recent scrimmage, you know, just stuff. There's stuff out there um, and you can't verify it. But if you look at like, look at the pictures, like he looks good, but at the same time, there's a lot of guys that look good and they don't do anything. So I, I think cautious optimism is probably the best approach here because very rarely do guys that just, kind of come out of nowhere actually like work out mm-hmm. but um i mean i think from an ou perspective it would be really awesome because that that position especially with kind of the jaylen redmond uncertainty it's just kind of a black hole right now so if they could have right. some sort of stability there that would be that'd be great especially because the i think the future at that position is on campus but they're young and not ready just yet well and He's in his fourth year on campus, right? Yeah, he's a registered junior. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, guys generally don't make the big jump from their third to fourth year, you know. Unless so. you're Eric <laughs> Mother Effing Swinson. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, guys that weren't sitting behind NFL players, we'll say, <laughs> generally aren't coming out of yeah. that. So Yeah, John Michael Perry um, doesn't have the excuse of Orlando Brown no. and Bobby Evans and Cody right. Ford and <laughs> all those no, guys. <laughs> no, he does not. Yeah, so I, I don't know. My thing is that, you know, we're talking about some reports and, like, everything you see, it's like, oh, this is going to be the most athletic front seven OU's had in years. Yeah. And that just with a grain of salt. Yeah, it just doesn't coincide with the idea of John Michael Terry and Dylan Famatau being starters because (laughs) I just those guys are not athletic. Like I mean, I mean they they aren't unathletic, obviously, but like they aren't where they are because of their athleticism. I you know. Though I will say that normally taciturn Alex Grinch was pretty high in his praise on the defensive line, so maybe there is a little bit of. Uh, maybe maybe you can put a little bit of credence to it. I don't know, but or maybe he's just extremely harsh on his own position group, and maybe a little bit more willing to praise the others. Hardly. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, t- it's tough, man. But I, I'm just I'm gonna be. I don't think either one of those guys we just talked about are gonna end the year as starters. But you know, no, I think, I think come I think- Houston, those are probably your best bets at those positions i think and i th- i think if you want the team or if you want the defense to progress naturally throughout the course of the season and kind of hit the heights that you're wanting them to hit you want those younger guys to kind of take the take those jobs as the season progresses yeah. you want mm-hmm. you won't want to see Leron Stokes work his way into a more to a bigger role you want to see Jalen Redmond you know come back from his 
blood clots, assuming he's at rest because no one seems to actually know what position he plays. But right. I think what makes most sense is that spot. So yeah. you want to see him as he gets healthier and you know into the more into the natural flow of the uh, practice and game schedule that he actually just kind of takes that spot over because he has the most talent and yeah. he's probably the well, most suited for it. Of course, with the Trey Norwood news, you have to assume that uh, you know you're trying to get Jalen Redmond on the field in some capacity. So maybe starting corner. Yeah, uh, well that's true. Let's do he's it. got the like, hips. Well, he's you know he's ten feet tall, ten thousand pounds. Yes. Yep. Yep. Um. All right. Let's let's talk about Jalen Redmond a little bit. Um. I know I've been. You know, I've you know texting Nathan a little bit like, I've gotten a little bit frustrated and it's not really anybody's fault it's just me being impatient and mm-hmm. annoyed and not wanting to watch john michael terry play football um <laughs> so everything we always see it's like oh yeah jalen's great he's ready to go he's gonna be a great player and then you always hear about him being held back a little bit like oh they're taking giving him light reps it's nothing big um, and that's, you know, recent, like this week even. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just halfway expecting him to play like five snaps a game this year and then talk about how much they like him for the future, um, all year. Um, so I, I'm a little worried in that regard because obviously, you know, blood clots are nothing to mess with. Um, mm-hmm. my, my frustration just comes from the fact that it's like, well, we've had him talk about how he's perfectly fine now and he's ready to go. Um, but they're still holding him out. So it, it kind of, right. It's a little concerning to me. It's a little frustrating to me because I do want to watch him play because he was one of the few guys that last year when he did play, it was like, Oh, there's actually like playmaking potential right there. So mm-hmm. he is the guy, if you've got a defense, like, if Neville Gow- or if Ronnie Perkins and Jalen Redmond are on both ends of your defensive line and Neville Gallimore's in the middle, like that's pretty good. That's pretty athletic, right. man. Like that's there's not a lot of teams in the country that are gonna be able to match that. Um, so I'm honestly just being impatient and just cause I want to see that so badly. Right. Yeah. And also it's I mean, just like you look at who else is at this position and like it's and it's frustrating because the blood clots are such a like difficult thing to like conceptualize um because it's like if jalen redmond's leg was broken right we would just be like oh okay but like because he would be so obviously not fine um but with like but with the situation being you know you know he you know tendency to develop blood clots um He's going to be great in practice. He's going to be at 100% in practice, and then we're just going to have to deal with him not playing. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's hard to know. I think they're right. just trying to be really, really, really careful with it. Oh, yeah. I think five, I think five snaps against Houston is completely likely. Um, I think just throughout the course of the season, you'll just slowly start to see him become a bigger focal point of the defense i think by texas he'll be playing 30 or 40 maybe that's not maybe that's just me being optimistic which is not usually my style but um i think that's i just think they kind of want to ease him into it so 
I think we're we're going to have to be you know consigned to John Michael Terry being the guy at least to start with some you know, Nick Benito thrown in there as a chaser. But um, I think as the as the course of the season goes, you know I, I would like to see um, Jalen Redmond at least you know becoming a bigger role within the defense kind of defining even if he's just a situational guy because um, I think he has the highest ceiling so it'd be a shame um, if he just sat on the sideline but I, I, I it's hard to you know you have to kind of balance the two things I understand why they're doing it but mm-hmm. right eventually Let's, you have to actually rip that band-aid if you if you think he's fine so mm-hmm. yeah Let's uh let's go on to some I, I need a couple quick takes here. Um any quick takes about Nick Benito? Just you know, something I mean, he has he's good size. He played for a good high school program, but mm-hmm. I mean, God, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I haven't haven't watched him at all. I think he had a pretty nice play in the spring game with that. Yeah. He's one <laughs> of those he's one of those guys that I think might wind up being a really natural pass rusher that's not an every down type mm-hmm. player, so I think his role might come in past situations, which you need guys like that, so that's cool. I think um, him and Jalen Redmond next year could be a really good pairing, but as yeah, this year, I'm yeah, not I sure agree. what to expect. Um, quick take about David Aguebu: Is he going to redshirt this year, or do you think he winds up playing more than four games? Um, something would. I think something would have to happen at this position for us to like need him to play more than four games right yep like mark like uh jalen redmond would just like it would just need to be like oh uh we can't play him this season either mm-hmm. like yeah there have to be some injuries yeah okay all right i think they want i think he has outside of redmond i think he has the highest potential but i think he's just super skinny and yeah um they need to i, I just don't think he can withstand the grind um i think next year I honestly think next year, if everyone is healthy, this could be a really good position group. But I think it's yeah, a year away. Absolutely. Sure. Um, okay, so I want to ask Ryan, do you who is the guy that we have not talked about at all at this position so far? I want to see if you can name him. Uh, well, I, I am looking at the roster, so oh. sorry. But yeah, well, this is my question. Hey, does Mark Jackson play this position still? Yep, he sure does, Allegedly. and it seems like he is not a football player on the team anymore. Yeah, um, fun fact, Ruffin did not even mention him in his little position preview yesterday. Oh, God. <laughs> he just, like, the idea that John Michael Terry is going to be possibly the starter mm-hmm. and Mark Jackson isn't going to play has, was would have been unthinkable to me, like, six months yeah. ago. Like, it yeah. just, well, uh, like, two weeks ago. Yeah. Do you guys, yeah, yeah, so do you guys yeah, yeah. remember uh, what he did in 2018? Because here's the answer, is that he played in 10 games and made seven starts, and they did not play in the last four games. Yeah, he basically right. got benched. Right. He got yeah. benched, and now he appears to have been, like, super benched. Yeah, yeah I'm a little surprised just, he didn't, like, transfer or something. It but. just never worked out. I was really high on him coming out of high school. I love that guy. I think he's a weird fit for this defense because he's an undersized defensive end that prefers his hand on the dirt. And yeah. he's not a good like stand-up pass rusher, and he's like 6'1". So I think he's just a strange fit. I think he, he – if I were yeah. him, 
I were giving him life advice, I would probably say if you're not going to, if you know you're probably not going to play this year, try and redshirt and grad transfer somewhere. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think that's probably likely. Um, okay, let's move on. I want to talk about Kenneth Mann a little bit. We mentioned him earlier because there's not a lot of clarity in terms of where he's going to play, you know, partially because he has been out all fall. So we don't really mm-hmm. know where he would have been playing. I've kind of penciled him in like when I'm just making my depth charts like I do. I've always kind of thought of him as like a defensive tackle type. You know, he'd be an undersized guy at that position, especially yeah. against the elite teams. But obviously, I don't think we're working with like the ideal situation at really any well, spot on this D-line except for like Neville Gallimore. Um, and I think so in I this think scheme, he, I think that kind of undersized long defensive tackle is kind of what they want. I mean, he's still not quite that, but I right. think he's not far away from what how they kind of see that spot. Yeah, right. no, I well, t- I agree that like mm-hmm. he's not super far off of it, but like I think they would rather have a guy that's like six five, two hundred and eighty pounds or something, or two eighty five. Well, uh, yeah, I think like Amani Bledsoe would have been their like their ideal body type at that yeah. spot. Honestly, thank you NCAA, we appreciate <laughs> yeah, it. That's still um, uh, yeah, but so. I'm really excited about the idea of him playing inside more because, you know, in 2017, he was actually a guy, I think he had five and a half sacks that year. Mm -hmm. And most of those came from when he was like lined up inside at like the nose guard um, in passing situations. And he was pretty good at it. And then he had like, what did he have? Like one sack last year or something ridiculous. They proceeded. Yeah, it was against Army, I think. Yeah, he was playing outside all year. And that's yeah. just not his strength, man. He is not a guy that's going to just beat a tackle one-on-one. Like, that's mm-hmm. not what he's good at. He's a guy, if you put him up against guards, he's going to be able to use his athleticism to kind of yeah. make some plays. So I think it's pretty natural for him to be on the inside. And I think it's also, like, it's better for him, too, because I think he is – there's a much clearer path to starting at that spot than there would be behind Ronnie Perkins. So mm-hmm. well, um, yeah, and that's where I, I mean, that's to see him. That's another example. It's again another example of guys not putting it, them getting put into a position to succeed. Because what do we just say? Guy is naturally talented at something and has proven success at something, and then they proceed to not have him do it ever the next year. I mean, right? I, and it's like, yeah, I actually, I'm kind of into Kenneth Mann. Um, I mean, honestly, maybe even taking the spot from uh, Famatau. Yeah. Um, because, well, yeah, I just I think, think about this. Yeah. I Well, I just think about this in terms of like on the other side of the field, on the other side of the ball, uh, beaten bow, like he would put his dudes and he would make the fit work, you know? Right. And we talked about how we couldn't think of a single time Fumatabi made a play. Like I could name multiple Kenneth Mann plays in his career. Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah. that's a thing he the has pile been pile driver to of Mason Rudolph. Right, is, is come one. into a game and make a play, um, not from the outside, but you know, um, yeah. yeah. That that to me that to me is like, I would I would totally forgive concerns for fit if it meant that like Kenneth Mann was uh, starting over. Uh, Famatau. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Let's talk about a guy that I think might be a more ideal fit at that spot. Laurent Stokes. Mm-hmm. He's drawn a lot of praise from coaches, you know, yeah, ever since he showed up in the so. spring. He was a very late offer. Like he's a guy from NEO. And I mean, honestly, if we were just talking about what would be the best thing for this defense in terms of like the most talented guys winning positions, if Laurent Stokes were to win this position, it would be a positive for the defense because like I said, I think he is what they want at that spot or at least more in line with that. He might be a little light for what they want, but he's closer. He's longer than a Kenneth Mann, and especially Dylan Famatahu. Um, So I'm a big fan of this guy. I think that, you know, he's a guy that probably could play the, the position Ronnie Perkins plays too pretty effectively. Um, I like him a little bit more inside though. Um, I expect him to be a rotation guy all season. For sure. They, they've kind of gushed about him, like both in the spring and the fall. They really seem to like him. Um, and like you said, it's kind of, it, well, maybe, maybe it wasn't surprising to you, but it was certainly surprising to me because um, like you said, he was a late offer. I thought he was just more of a, uh, a grab for death, basically. I didn't really expect him to do anything. So whenever they were so high on him, I, you know, it's just kind of one of those things where it's kind of a unexpected surprise. But if you just look at him, like Alex, I don't remember if you you remember your initial reaction, but I remember whenever I think it was Thibodeau uh, went and saw him, and they tweeted out the picture of him standing next to Thibodeau. I just remember thinking, you know, like. How did, how is this guy in the state? We didn't even know he like existed. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, because he looks really good. Like he looks the part. He's six four, two seventy something probably. Yeah. Um, I mean, he looks the part, and he's not. You know, I'm. Like, I just I was surprised that he was in Miami, and he, I mean. Until December, he wasn't on anybody's radar, and then all of a sudden, we're fighting Oregon for him um, and signing him. So he was a homeschooled kid out of Tulsa. That might have been part yeah. of it. He was a he was a Noah kid, but um, still, I think he might be kind of one of those guys that was a sneaky kind of unheralded uh, recruit last signing day that uh, turns out to be a really solid contributor in his two years. Yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty excited about him. Like, I love, I like his story. You know, like you said, homeschooled in high school. Like, it, it's a pretty neat deal. Um, so, mm-hmm. um, all right, let's talk about. I guess we need to talk about Q Overton because he will probably play significant role a significant role this year. Yeah. Um, I don't think you could draw up a player that would fit what Grinch wants to do less than Marquise Overton. Yeah, he's the, he is the plug that we were talking about or, or that I mentioned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a guy the, that he's like six foot one, maybe, and just wants yeah, to eat blocks. Allegedly. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not a good fit. He's a guy that's battled injuries throughout his career. Like there's a lot of yeah, I don't know. He's probably going to play because we don't really have anybody else to play behind yeah. Neville Gallimore, He's, especially if Famatau is playing that that yeah. tackle position. Like, I think that it would be really beneficial if, like, Kenneth Mann would get back and Laron Stokes is there, and then you could play Famatau at the that behind Neville at the nose. Mm-hmm. I think that makes more sense for pretty much everybody. 
Uh, but like just right now, we don't have the depth at that tackle position to be able to pull that off right now. But um, yeah, so I mean, we'll probably see Q Overton. I don't expect much from him because he is just I he's probably just not athletic enough. You know, I see him being used in run situations. If the, if nothing else, he's a decent run defender. Um, but he's he's who I was alluding to earlier about. You know, after Neville, I don't see a lot of playmaking ability at that spot um, because right. I just don't see him getting into the backfield and causing havoc hardly ever. Mm. Yeah, that's that's absolutely it's not his game at all. Um, nope. Yeah, let's move on from from Q. Let's go to Isaiah Thomas. This is probably the last like non freshman that another Tulsa go- kid. That's like three that's going to factor kids. in. Yeah. yeah, let's talk about the the tall Isaiah Thomas. Yes. Yeah. Isaiah Thomas is one of those guys that in the previous system, he made zero sense. Yeah. And we, like said, it was, we said as much when he got signed. It's like, yeah, we yeah. like him, but he is a weird fit. Yeah. He made no sense in a two-gap scheme. He never really saw the field for any kind of significant snaps in a situation where Kenneth Mann was playing like every snap of the game. Like we yeah. needed to be able to put him out there and he just wasn't able to play. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty high on his potential. I've been high on his potential pretty much since high school. He's a guy, he's a tall kid, like six, five. Right. And I think he's close to two sixty now. Like he's pretty much what you want from a, a defensive end in this scheme. I feel like uh, at least physically. Yeah. I mean, Talk about physical development. I mean, he came in, he was maybe 6'5", 220 when he showed up. He was skinny. I mean, he was a power forward yeah. in high school, and that's what he looked like. But he actually, he's he looks the part now. He's probably gained 35, 40 pounds um, since he yeah. showed up. I um, mean, he's really filled up pretty well. And, I mean, Thibodeau mentioned him, it was maybe a week ago, so kind of towards the beginning of camp, but as somebody that was really um, kind of flashing and, looking good early on in practice. Um, so I think, I mean, I mentioned it a little bit earlier about that defensive end spot behind Perkins. I think it could between him and maybe one of the freshmen, uh, like Marcus Stripling, I think there's a potential for that to be kind of a sneaky, decent uh, death wise spot. Um, I'd, and then obviously we talked about with Jalen Redmond and potentially having his hand in the dirt, they might play him there some also. I don't know. So, yeah, that's, I, I'm just that's curious to see what how that position shakes out. But I, I think he's going to be an actual rotation player this year, Isaiah Thomas. And yeah. um, I'm really curious to see what he looks like because we just haven't seen him do hardly anything outside of, you know, garbage time. So, right. Um, I think that I think what you said earlier is this is a much better scheme fit for him. So hopefully he's able to take that and run with it. Yeah, I remember feeling weird about when we were recruiting him because I was like, oh, he's a four-star in-state kid. He was a, he was a really nice pickup. And I wanted to be excited about him, but I yeah. did have that feeling that was just like, I don't know how what position he plays at OU. I don't know how yeah. he fits at all. Yeah, he was and, always one of those guys who's like, yeah, he makes a lot of sense, but he should be playing for like TCU and not OU because he just doesn't make sense as a, as far as what yeah. OU wants in their defensive linemen. But at the same time, I don't think OU knew what, knew what they wanted in their defensive linemen. So, 
Oh, what they allegedly wanted was not Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Um, okay, so that's pretty much all of the non-freshmen that we feel like could will factor in this year. Am I forgetting anybody, Nathan? Mm. No one immediately comes to mind outside of, you know, the glorious blocking fullback that is Troy James. Right, yeah. I mm-hmm. Troy James and Zach McKinney, are, they're – they occupy the the John Michael Terry space in my head now because they just I just feel like they're irrelevant in terms yeah. of, of making any kind of impact. Um, okay, let's talk about a couple freshmen really quickly. Um, so I think the guy that there's been two defensive linemen from this past class that have gotten a lot of praise. And let's start with Marcus Stripling. Um, I know we talked about him on our signing day thing. He's a guy that kind of fell into our lap. Like he honestly probably waited too long to kind of commit and some options kind of dried up and we were like, Hey, we'll, we'll still take you. So um, he's a guy that I know I was a little bit, I mean, I wasn't super concerned about it because I kind of understood why he was this way, but Mm -hmm. In high school, he was a guy that looked like he might not been have been trying fully every night, and so I was a little bit, you know, interested to see how he approached football when he got into college against better competition in a mm-hmm. more competitive environment. Because by all accounts, his high school was just a horrendous dumpster yeah, fire of a team, sucked. <laughs> and you know, it's like I talked about with the defense earlier. It's like, why would you actually try when you know you're going to fail anyways? You know, it's like, it's a really hard thing to make yourself do. So, um, I'm just, I'm not going to really hold that against him and everything I've heard or we've heard and seen, like, it seems like he's taking things pretty seriously and he's, you know, they seem to like him a lot. Yeah. There's been a lot of good pub about him and you know, that was, like you said, that was kind of the question. It's, we didn't know if he was going to be the guy that kind of comes in and just kind of goes through the motions and kind of mirrors what were kind of the rumors of him in high school as this extremely talented guy that maybe didn't take it as seriously as he should have. Um, but everything that you know has leaked out of camp, what little there has been, um, is that he's somebody that could actually play as a freshman, could actually uh, be in the rotation. Um, And I think from a talent standpoint, he certainly is there. Um, He might be a little undersized at this point, but I think he could be, you know, in the rotation, especially uh, somebody that gets in in later games and blowouts or things like that. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I think, you know, he's, he's a really, I think he, he, I mentioned him in that defensive end spot. I think he would play that kind of, Ronnie Perkins, Isaiah Thomas, that kind of um, true defensive end spot in, out next to the d- nose tackle and defensive tackle, that uh, kind of five mm-hmm. technique, and, and kind yeah. of shade out to the seven at times. Um, but I I don't know. He, I think he's as talented of a defensive lineman as OU has in the program. You just want to make sure – you just hope that he continues kind of um, on the track that – he supposedly is on right now because that's really the biggest uh, barrier. I think right. is just kind of that personal, you know, uh, work ethic. I found an uh, a local online news article uh, from last year, almost exactly a year ago, August twenty first, twenty eighteen, um, about Maid Creek High School and their ten year mm-hmm. playoff drought. Um, that's that's just fun. 
They interviewed. Yeah. Yeah. They inter- They interviewed him. Um, his coach said they... that he he sets the tone. Which, oops. Um, <laughs> well, I, hope, I hope he didn't set too hard of a tone. Yeah. Right. He, yeah. Yeah. It's also um, also they won that one he's or two going games. to. Yeah. He's going to be choosing between Texas A and M and Alabama on early signing day. Nope. Yeah. It nope. didn't work out. <laughs> yeah. It. I'm I'm excited. Like I, he to me was like the Ronnie Perkins of this past class. You know, it's like the just from a talent standpoint. Like I view them pretty similarly talent wise, mm-hmm. and he might even have more talent than Ronnie Perkins. Like he's, I think he's from a an very athleticism standpoint, he's a higher caliber than Perkins. I think Perkins is probably just more advanced of a player. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. And like Perkins, there were no concerns about a motor or anything like that. Oh yeah, was, that, was, that was part of his. Uh, of one of the, his superlatives in high school was, you know, he yeah. plays already with that. So speaking of yeah. motor, who's the other defensive lineman that we were going to talk about? We were going to talk about a uh, Corey Roberson. I wanted to end with this guy. Cause I know that Nathan is a huge Corey Roberson fan. I am. Um, I like him as well. I, I like more what I feel like he could project as in terms I know. I mean, I liked him enough in high school, but I wasn't like as in love with him as Nathan for sure. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give Nathan the floor, and then I will come back and kind of talk about what I think he well, might turn into. Well, yeah. I mean, the reason I liked him so much is because like what we were just talking about. That's motor was his game. He he's kind of the especially for what OU was doing. He would have been. You know, he's he's a uh, too big to be a defensive end, but too small to be a defensive tackle. So, but he, what we're doing right now, he's kind of a pretty natural fit for that defensive tackle spot. He might not be quite as long as they're wanting, but I think he'll eventually end up being, you know, 6'3", 280, 285. So he makes a lot of sense to me there. And he just plays really, really hard. He's coming off a knee injury, so you, you never quite know what he's going to be uh, mm-hmm. or what a guy's going to be whenever he's coming off an ACL. But I think he was on the verge of kind of blowing up offers-wise um, and kind of recruiting profile-wise um, because he was getting interest from Alabama. He's getting interest from these SEC programs that tend to boost a recruit's national profile mm-hmm. uh, when they get involved. And then he tore his ACL, and it just kind of ended that. And he's already committed to OU, so he just stayed as his three-star self, and he didn't get to play a senior year. But I think if he hadn't, torn his ACL I think he would have been you know a high, uh, maybe not a high four star but you know someone that had a little bit more clout to their name because I just think he plays the game um, he has decent he has pretty decent size and he I mean he's just he's relentless and I think right um, I think he's a very natural pairing mentality wise for what Alex Grinch wants now exactly. he wants I think that's he wants key. guys that yeah are going to hustle to the ball constantly and he fits the position pretty well. And he, they stunt and they slant and they, you know, they run after the ball. I, I just think it fits him really well. So I don't, and it sounds like he's already making some headway as far as, you know, potentially being able to get on the field this year. And I wasn't even thinking of him as someone that would, you know, really have that shot this year because of his, of his knee. But if he can get on the field this year, um, I mean, only a year removed from his knee injury, I think. I mean, that's only a good sign, obviously, unless you're Stan Von Taylor, because um, I, as he gets further removed from that knee injury, I think he's just going to you know, he most you know typically they just trust it more, and um, mm-hmm. he can get back to his 
old self of uh, being that kind of relentless player. The other thing about uh, Corey Roberson is that he has one of the most genuine smiles um, in any and any of these uh, roster photos. Dude smiles with his eyes. It's just really heartwarming to see. It is good. <laughs> okay. You like, you like to see guys, uh, you know, happy to be there. Well it, well, it speaks to his love of the game, right? He's yeah. just, uh... mm. <laughs> I want... I want my I, I want my I defensive lineman to frown. I don't I don't want smiles <laughs> for my D line. Oh, Ronnie Perkins got a big smile though. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's good and enough that's... for Perkins. No. Uh, yeah. no, I no, I, I do sophomore get... slump coming, is that what we're saying? <laughs> yep. I get that's I get what, what Alex saying. is saying though. You look at you look at Neville Gallimore's photo and <laughs> that's true. went wrong. Yep. Uh, he, he looks angry. <laughs> All right. So my Corey Roberson take. Um, it, it's not even really, it's not like a, I'm not a negative take at all. I just really want him to go into a nose guard is my take on him because I think that, you know, I love the motor. I love a lot of the physical tools. I just think that he will be at his best against like the least athletic guys that he can kind of come up against. And I think the further inside he can be the better for him. And with this defense, the way they play that might fit him really well on the inside, because I don't know, he in like, you keep saying like he's listed at six, four question mark, like, which I mean, I know that's taller than I thought he would be. Um, So, I mean, his frame, he's obviously got a big frame. He's already 273 right now as a true freshman, like, that guy could play at 295 pretty easily, I feel like, in a couple years. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like that's what I want to see. Um, I want to see him further inside even than in that tackle position because yeah. there, are, I mean, there are just other guys that I like a little bit more um, at that spot. But, um, yeah, I like Corey Roberson, and I agree. Like I think that he was on the verge of making a jump, but it just, you know, the injury kind of derailed that. So that was unfortunate. But – um, all right. So I think that that's probably all we need to discuss. Jordan Kelly would have been a guy, but he's, he's out for the year with a knee injury. So that mm-hmm. kind of sucks. Hick, um, I don't think Hicks or Wete are going to escape a red shirt. So yeah, I, I don't think that. Yeah. Right. I think that's I, probably right. Yeah. I, it's just fascinating to me that Joseph Wete is the only person listed on the roster as a DE slash LB. Like, what does that yeah. mean, Alex? He's cornered French. the market, yeah. Yeah, it's so weird. Speaking of skinny, he... uh, we, we talked about Ogwebu being skinny. Wete is skinny. Oh, man, 6'4", yeah. <laughs> 2 Yeah. That's yeah. like, he... stre- that's not even power forward size. But I that's... think he's somebody in, like, two years from now, he's going to be, like, 245. He's going to pack on some weight because uh, he has, uh, if you look at his picture, he just, he's so thin, but it's sh- broad shoulders so there's a lot of room for um for him to gain some weight but he came from dc and i think he just has he's never been in anything remotely close to a college strength and weight uh program like a lot of those texas guys have so he's just a little bit behind the curve yeah for sure he's definitely a guy that that i like his future um you know last guy to watch out for reed Lindsay. Right. Um, Very true. The freshman walk on from Clinton, Oklahoma. You know, shouts to Reed Lindsay. Um, you know, obviously 
the reason I was able to go to a, a recruiting event that one time. So mm-hmm. hoping for big things from Reed uh, as he mm-hmm. moves through his career. He's right. Is uh, he's wearing number ninety three. Isn't that the number Gerald McCoy wore? It is. All right, big shoes. <laughs> ah, big shoes. That's great. That's great. Well, you know, big shoes, but uh, you know, he's coming to the program with good size. Um, yeah, he's a four two forty. You know, that's um, he's yeah, already he's gotten got... some an article written about him. So right. true, right. he's doing pretty good. Right. So he's not like you know he's he's old. He's definitely like you know in the preferred walk on mold, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. We're not, this isn't a this is not a Joe Castiglione Jr. situation. Is what I'm no, saying. No, no, no. I, I think this is a, a situation where he could actually potentially get snaps if he. Uh, oh yeah. If he progresses. Yeah. Yep. All right, so we'll leave it there. Um, kind of a short podcast this week, guys. That's Only incredible. An hour, hour and twenty six minutes. So okay, yeah. that's less incredible. Uh, <laughs> well, I think comparatively it's short. Yeah, it's an hour, it, we're gonna clock in a little under an hour and fifteen. Short which is, for that's, us. Yeah. That's, that's short for us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't um, know. We could always talk about the rest of the front seven. <laughs> no. Yeah. We, we yeah. We'll have to find time to do that before mm-hmm. the season. Because hey, guys, we're very close to the season, and we'll yeah. have to do like a Houston preview pretty quickly. We might have to double up next week. Yeah. So we can oh, kind of be be on schedule for just the do like a, game. Yeah, do like a back seven. Oh god, that secondary yeah, or, podcast. <laughs> or we could do two pods. I don't know. Or mm. just, I don't think people would be against that. I don't. I don't think they would either. Uh, we'll we'll figure it out. Uh, but anyways, thanks for listening to us. Uh, you can subscribe to the Oklahoma Drill on iTunes, the Google Play Store, or on Podbean. Uh, follow us on Twitter at RW Maxi at Alex P. Purdy. Um, and of course, Nathan's Twitter is protected. Um, and I'm not even going to give you any hints. Uh, That's true. You got to find me. You got to find him <laughs> and you got to prove your worth. Yes. Um, and there's then, only uh, a brief exam. Entrance right. exam. <laughs> um, and uh, oh, I forgot anything. Uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, uh, share it with a friend, leave a review on iTunes. Five star reviews actually do a lot to help other people find it um i think that's going to cover it for now uh we'll be back with more uh probably sometime next week maybe twice next week we'll see <laughs>